Being the Worst, Episode 2, recorded live Monday, August 20th, 2012. From beingtheworst.com, it's the Being the Worst podcast. Audio apprenticeships for the aspiring software craftsman. With your hosts, Carrie Street and Renat Abdulin. In this episode, Carrie and Renat start with the foundational topics of messages and messaging. What is a message? Why do we use them? How do you create them in code? Their conversation references our sample code that is available on github.com. And now, here are Carrie and Renat. Hello, and welcome back to episode two of Being the Worst Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Street, and I'm here with uh, my co-host, Renat Abdulin. Renat, how are you? Hey, guys. Hello, and today we're going to be talking about the basics of messaging. It's a foundational principle. You'll see it on the study map in the foundational section. And Renat, why don't we start right off with what is messaging and why do we care? So, uh, messaging is extremely important like for the way we do things at Flowcad and, in essence, in distributed systems because you have to deal with a lot of like, different machines or different servers or like smartphones that exchange information in this distributed world. And in kind of legacy approaches, when uh, you are doing stuff with uh, databases or like some uh, web services, etc., etc., uh, in these approaches, people and developers are focused on remote procedure calls, which are blocking, which create a lot of problems down the road. That's why we decided, well, it's, it's not we decided, it's something that has been around in the industry for a long, long, long time. Like, for example, in ro- robotics, they do use messaging. In some high-scale distributed systems, they prefer to use messaging as well. So, uh, And in fact, messaging, although it might sound complicated, it's extremely simple. So uh, in this uh, podcast episode, we'll talk about basics of messaging, how easy it is to declare a message, uh, what the heck max message is, and how to work with that. Uh, probably uh, the core prerequisite for this course and for this episode uh, is to know the basics of programming. And as, like uh, you should know what a class is, uh, what is an interface, what is a method, what is a variable, how to define a class, uh, how to, and what are the basic framework elements of your own language. Uh, in this episode and further episodes, we'll be referencing uh, C sharp samples, which are available uh, out there on the GitHub. Although hopefully within some time, uh, there'll be additional samples, similar samples in additional languages showing up with the help from the community. I hope to target uh, languages like uh, languages and frameworks like Java, Scala, maybe something old like Pascal, because that's good for exercising. Great. And uh, and I'll be, we'll definitely have a link to uh, that source code related to this episode on GitHub uh, in the show notes. Um, and you mentioned uh, in your description of the traditionally maybe people would use RPC remote procedure calls, and that's literally, you know, inside of your class or inside of your code, you have your class calling some other method on some other object, waiting for it and blocking it to get a response, correct? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. So in essence, like when we're working on the code that works within that one program, one process or one thread, uh, in essence, we have classes. Mm-hmm. And one class ha- can have a reference to another class, and it can call methods on it, passing arguments inside, mm-hmm. uh, and then waiting till the method completes, and then uh, the execution passes to the next line. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're doing uh, building a system 
with this approach, in essence, we pretend that the object uh, instance that we're calling in this code is located in the same process. Although, in reality, uh, this object can be located on a different machine or even across uh, the globe. Okay. Although, we still behave as it, if it were uh, by our side. That's what is, uh, in essence, what web services are when they're implemented in a blocking way. That's what a remote procedure call is. Uh, this approach creates a lot of tr uh, problems because our code, uh, in essence, will block. T uh, in essence, the computer will wait till uh, this message call completes. However, when this message call travels all across the globe, uh, some bad things can happen. Network connection can be lost uh, or it can be extremely slow. And we never know when the method call will be completed and what, what when we will proceed. Uh, so a different approach to that that requires slightly different mindset uh, is to declare this function call uh, as a class. Mm -hmm. uh, this class, uh, which we'll call a message, in essence is a, just a data structure, a class as well, that contains information about the method that we're trying to call and the parameters of this method. And it's like the variables that will be passed. I see. Uh, and n usually name of this uh, message class matches somehow to the method that we're trying to call on a remote object. Uh, when I'm saying a remote object, uh, it means that the object uh, can be located either like on a different machine or it can be located uh, in the same process as well. Uh, in this C-sharp sample that we will be referring to, uh, the object is located in, uh, in the same program. I see. So, so literally, the the message class or a, a message that's a class is another way to define a function call that doesn't tightly couple couple your code to some other piece of code. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, in essence, uh, there, first there is a difference. Uh, there is a message class, or uh, sometimes we'll uh, refer to it as a message contract. It's definition of a message. It contains the name. Uh, it contains the properties or fields. Uh, and then we have a specific instance of message or message. It's, uh, it is when we take this message class, uh, create an instance of it, like in the code that will be uh, new something, mm -hmm. and populate it with the variables. This message instance is uh, our specific method call that we are prepared for firing. And that we can take this message call, uh, we can take this message and then pass it, we can save it, we can replay it, and we can do all sorts of uh, interesting things with that. I see. So, so the the if I understood you correctly, the contract defines what the message is, or where we would keep things like what we would normally use uh, attributes and parameters for, and what this message needs. That contract defines what it needs to work, and then you instantiate that contract into a message instance to actually make specific calls. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Or uh, another really important comparison that we'll use down the road: uh, a message, for example, it's. Uh, Definition. It's definition in the dictionary. Message says that what it will do. And for example, uh, if you know a message and if you have an established language, uh, you can uh, give it the message name, give it the message type, you can go uh, into the dictionary and find the definition, what it is supposed to do. Uh, message instance, it's actually the word. It's a word that you're using, it's the word that you're saying to somebody. And this written word, it can uh, either uh, like be spoken in a room or it can travel by email, by snail mail. And when it reaches the recipient, it will uh, have some impact. Okay. Uh, this uh, similarity between a message and spoken words uh, will be extremely, extremely important 
down the road, like when we get into the uh, domain-driven design and ubiquitous language. In essence, the important characteristics of the messages right now is that a uh, message is something that is delayed, ca that can be delayed, something that can be written, something that can be sent, and something that has a potential impact and meaning to it. And so in the code that uh, serves as a sample uh, for this podcast, uh, we declare we start by declaring a really simple message, which is at, uh, at product to basket. And uh, this message uh, will be sent to a simple class called product basket. In essence, product basket is a usual implement, uh, what's what, imaginary representation of a shopping process. Like imagine you go to the shop, uh, and you have a basket, and you plan to put some products as you go through the shelves. So, so if I look and you know, I'm looking at the program.cs file in the sample code, and there's you literally have a class called public class product basket. In this example, is that the what you called the contract? Uh, no, product basket is uh, some. Uh, in this case, it's something that will uh, listen to our messages, something that will receive the messages, and something that will uh, carry out the messages. Oh, I see. That's where the messages are going to go. Yeah, it's something. It's uh, some behavior. It's like the other party that we're going to talk to. Got it. Uh, if you look forward, uh, there is a method called add product. Uh, that's mm -hmm. actually the method that we're trying to call remotely via the message. I see. Okay, and so uh, the mess. The actual sample of message is a public class called add product to basket message. And uh, if you look at the code, like uh, in the code, we instantiate instance of that uh, at product basket message with uh, a few variables like product name is being bred and product quantity is one. So quantity and name are uh, part of the message contract. Uh, bread and one are actually valuables, uh, var uh, values of this contract and they go into the message instance. I see. Okay, and uh, then uh, given that product contract, we can uh, and actual uh, ability to construct message instances, uh, we can do uh, all sorts of uh, nifty things with that. First, we can just uh, take this message instance and apply it to the product basket. In essence, we send the message for the memory, and when we send this message directly for the memory, uh, in essence, we just uh, tell the compiler via a clever dynamic trick. It can be something uh, more simple uh, to take this message and pass it to the function, which, which uh, exactly takes uh, the message class as one of the arguments. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, a simple uh, in-memory procedure call. However, that already allows us to do a nifty thing called temporal decoupling. Well, uh, temporal decoupling is, uh, in essence, its property and attribute of messaging. Uh, in essence, we can uh, take a couple of messages, a couple of message calls, and add them to the queue. Uh, a queue is, it can be a memory structure which, can, which uh, will keep hold of our message instances for some time. Uh, in essence, imagine I'm uh, planning to go to the shop and I want to first to keep in mind the things that I want to buy. I don't want to buy them immediately because I'm not in the shop. So I'm writing down, for example, I want to have a nice Norwegian dinner, so I uh, plan to get some white wine and get some shrimps. Mm -hmm. And then I memorize this stuff and put it like into some in-memory list or queue. Then, sometime later, when I'm uh, finally within the vicinity of the shop, I can actually uh, send these messages to the, uh, to the product basket. So here we have a temporal decoupling between the moment we created messages 
in essence, we express our intent to do something, and between the moment uh, that these messages were actually carried out. So give me a different definition of temporal decoupling. That sounds like a nice big computer science-y kind of word that I, maybe I should know, but I'm too stupid. What does that mean? Oh, I'm not sure I can come up with it exactly finished. <laughs> what, does it, uh, what does it kind of mean? <laughs> uh, temporal decoupling, it means that uh, we don't have, we can have some time that passes uh, between the moment uh, the message is created and between the message, uh, between the moment message is carried out. I see. Uh, it can, second, it can be 10 minutes, uh, it can be 5 minutes. I see. And actually, actually it's uh, extremely important like in production scenarios uh, because uh, in, like in production, we express uh, things that user carries out on the screen as a command messages. Mm-hmm. And uh, when user clicks on the screen, uh, these command messages are actually uh, memorized and persisted to some uh, pers- uh, like queue. And when these messages are memorized and persisted to the queue, uh, the actual server that will carry them out can be down. It can be dead, it can be upgraded, it can be overloaded with other messages. There, uh, if we were uh, calling the remote database uh, and without trying like, to not to remember the message, but actually like to tell the database to insert product, insert product, insert product, but the database is overloaded or inaccessible, then the client would get an error or the database would be deadlocked or overloaded. Mm-hmm. Messages, we just safely store them to the queue, to the place that will remember them for us. And then when the server comes back online, uh, it will uh, pick up these messages as it uh, can handle them and process them one by one. Got it. So it allows Uh, you to separate the list of what I want from the thing that's going to give me what I want. Yes, absolutely. And the dependency on those two things. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So uh, in essence, this allows us uh, to put uh, these different elements of the distributed systems uh, in different places, in different availability zones, we can uh, also literally save these messages like to our audit log. We can save these messages uh, and re- replicate them between multiple servers. We can do all sorts of things. Okay. Uh, and so, how we uh, in so far in the code, like who are talking about how we create a message instance, in essence, like new add product to basket message with some parameters, and then add it to the in memory queue, and then pass it to the method call like a specific implementation of that code uh, is in the sample. However, there is uh, an important difference that we should keep in mind. Uh, product message as it is, uh, message instance as it is in uh, memory, it's just an instance of a class. It's not something that we can easily uh, and directly pass down to a different machine. Uh, word, for example, word that is spoken, audio word, it's different from the word that is written. Like we have audio waves and we have like letters on the paper. Right. So in, to pass a message reliably some da- some way down like to a different machine, we need actually to record it. And this process of recording uh, like something fast, something that is uh, as transient as a spoken word into something persistent, uh, it's called serialization. Okay. And uh, in computer uh, world, our persistent form is bytes. Uh, so, uh, in order to serialize the message, we, in essence, we need to convert it uh, into something more permanent representation, uh, which is byte form, and uh, that's what uh, different serializers do. Right. So, so serializers literally take the stuff that's running in my RAM on my computer and puts it on the disk somewhere in bytes in some kind of serialized format that I can pull it back up later when my power's turned back on. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and 
just like different frameworks, different languages, they have uh, different serialization formats. Uh, like, for example, if you're uh, on .NET, then like the default serialization formats that you have is, for example, XML uh, or uh, JSON, JavaScript object notation, or you have some uh, binary representation, or you can have some uh, custom implementation. So, in essence, uh, serialization, it just takes, uh, it can be represented as a method call that takes an instance of a message, its type, and it converts it into the binary form. Mm-hmm. And, and puts it somewhere on, di- on somewhere in some persistent location. And then, we, uh, given that uh, byte form, we can do something with it. We can save it to the disk, uh, we can uh, put it on, onto the network, or we can just read it back. Uh, and uh, deserialization is a reverse process. It's a process that takes an uh, array of bytes. It also takes the type of the message that we expect, and it decodes it ba- back to the instance. Okay. Uh, and in this uh, sample code, uh, we have uh, I have implemented a simple message serializer uh, that knows how to convert uh, byte, bytes into the messages and messages into the bytes. In fact, this wasn't actually a implementation from the scratch. I just took a class from Lockout Securus. And where's that at? Where where do I find that in the code? Uh, it's a second class. So uh, in this uh, C sharp solution samples episode zero zero one messaging the basics. Uh, by default, you're looking at the program CS. That's something that you can run. That's something you can start by a five, open by opening in Visual Studio or in Mono Develop or Sharp Develop. The latter two are open source. Uh, development environments for C-Sharp and .NET. Mm-hmm. And there is a second class called Infrastructure class that contains some things that you normally you don't implement yourself. You just copy it from a different framework uh, or uh, use in some uh, standalone library. Uh, I'm including them in the source code because like, it might be important to understand how the things work because uh, they have some uh, implications on the road. Okay. Okay, and so uh, given the message serializer class, which we instant- we can instantiate, uh, and when we actually instant- uh, create a message serializer, uh, some of the serializers, they actually need to know uh, which messages they will be dealing with. In essence, a uh, message serializer, you can, you can think it of a, a stenographist that will uh, take your, will hear your words and write them down. And obviously, in order to write them down the word, it should know which words it will uh, it should be familiar with the vocabulary that you're going to use. In the sample, that's in the infrastructure.cs class, and at the top of that class, or that file, sorry, in the infrastructure.cs file, at the top, there's a class called message serializer, and that's what you're talking about right now. And right at the top there, you've got things defined like known types, formatters by type, formatters by contract, stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, currently, like we don't need to go actually into the detail of implementations. Mm-hmm. All that as is the messages that are supported uh, methods that are supported on this message serializer and okay. how to create uh, and uh, like how to create that uh, serializer instance and how to use it it's uh, referenced in the programs yes okay okay uh, so uh, given the fact that serialization is a process of recording object in uh, which exists in memory uh, to a binary representation which is a set of bytes we can actually do that. So uh, later in the code, what we can do is we can create a new instance of add product to basket message and then uh, serialize it uh, to in-memory stream. Uh, streams are important aspects like of almost any, any uh, framework. Uh, stream, in essence, it can be 
perceived as a list of some objects uh, to which you can append. Uh, so when we're dealing with bytes, it's usually a stream of bytes. In essence, like it's a list in an array of bytes with which you are working. Uh, and usually streams are unlike like usual lists with the stream. Uh, you don't insert something in the middle or you don't uh, like reverse the stream or something else. You just uh, add the end. Uh, and so in the code, we create a new instance of memory stream, which says in memory collection of bytes to which we can write. Uh, and we write messages to that. Uh, write our serialized representation of add product to basket message to that. Uh, and then, uh, like, given that array of bytes, we can print them out to the screen, like, to see how the computer will actually read them, or we can try to uh, represent them in some garbled representation to, to imagine what would happen if we actually write this message to the disk and open it uh, in Notepad. And if we open to the Notepad, uh, we'll actually see what is visible in that message. We'll see some... Uh, string representations, probably uh, like rosemary, and add product to basket, interleaved with some garbled stuff. This garbled stuff is actually a binary representation of uh, numbers that contain, for example, the size of the message. Uh, if the listeners are interested, like later on in some uh, other podcast, we can actually talk, talk about, uh, about uh, serializer implementations. Yes, but in this sample code, the, we wouldn't, we're not persisting anything to the disk in this sample. It's all in memory, right? Uh, actually, no. Uh, okay. Since it's uh, since it's so easy to persist something in memory, we can actually take the same representation and persist it to the disk. So the code uh, uh, will have something like file write all bytes uh, to the file called message.bin. Oh, I see it. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, probably like if you're in non-C-sharp code, then uh, the this specific uh, method call would, might look like something different. It will be the same. Uh, and then, at that point, actually, we can shut down our machine. The message has been persisted to the disk. We're good, we're okay, and we can imagine that this message was not persisted on the disk, uh, then included into the email, uh, sent to a different machine, and uh, later down the road, uh, somebody else will uh, open this uh, email, take the message out of it, save it to the disk, and uh, read it, use it uh, to read the message back into the memory and apply it to it. That's actually like how messaging works in distributed systems. So in the in the old days, uh, you would messaging is fundamental for us to understand because it's the way we're going to record what we need to save to some place where we can save it, and that's in the sample what message dot bin is. That's where our state is saved, so that if we turn off our machine, we can get our our state back. So in this approach, instead of making up your own text file and writing it to the C drive or putting it in some local relational database or putting it in some other traditional place you would save stuff. In our approach that we're using right now, the way we do that is through messaging. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And in essence, messaging is not really anything new. It's uh, how people and organizations used to communicate for centuries. People used to write messages. They called them mails. People uh, used to uh, use these mails to operate like financial corporations all around the world by sending instructions. Banks operated like in the pre-telegraph era by sending instructions to like take money from this account to, and put it to a different account. So messaging was uh, all over around our world, around our lives for decades. And so uh, this 
similarity between what we do in the programming code and between what happened uh, in the real world, how people used to interact and how people still interact, uh, it will be extremely, extremely important down the road. Okay. And I think uh, one thing you had mentioned uh, before we started recording was how understanding the fundamentals of messaging was going to be critical to be able to understand the fundamentals of event sourcing. Could you give us a little hint as to how those two things are related and, and why we needed to know this so that we can understand that? Okay. So uh, uh, in the next podcast episode, uh, we'll actually talk about the event sourcing. Uh, the event sourcing is a way to persist uh, state of an object really like really complicated object uh, by actually uh, using messages to save its history. And in this podcast episode, we already worked about how to save message on a disk. So we already have our persistence media. We already have our uh, messaging media like for the sending messages around the globe. Because mm-hmm. already, given on what you've learned here, you can implement a really crude way of messaging, uh, of remote messaging. We can save, uh, construct message instances, save them to the files, and then attach them as uh, attachments into the uh, envelope, uh, into the emails, and send them to somebody else, and somebody else will uh, detach them and deserialize them and apply them to the object. So in essence, message uh, for us is a way of communication between different parties, and it's also a way of persistence. And in, while we're persisting, we're persisting like uh, a small bit of information, small bit of coherent information, small something that means something. It's, uh, it's our uh, intent, it's our declaration, it's something that we want the other party to do. It has a name, like add product to the basket, and it has the detailed ex- instructions of what to do. The other party to which we're communicating uh, is expected to know what actually add product to the basket means, and it will uh, figure out the best possible way to actually carrying out the operation. Uh, so in essence, when we're talking about this product basket, uh, I can have this message, uh, I can write this message just down just for myself as a memo, and then I can uh, invoke them when I go to the product store, or I can uh, just write them down and pass to you when you go to the product store in the United States. And you'll be able to implement them your way. I see. Uh, as long it, as long as my way understands how to deal with the how to handle that message. Yeah, well, I expect you to know what mine is. If not, then we'll need to do a remote secure beer session here. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, so, in essence, uh, we use messages for uh, passing information around, for uh, saving it, and for telling the story with these messages. Mm-hmm. Message is our uh, vocabulary. Messages are words in our vocabulary, and we'll use this vocabulary to let machines communicate, to write stories. Uh, it might sound uh, like really simplified, but that's the core basics, and that's the core basics of building the systems in an extremely simple way uh, that can handle like thousands of transactions per second, uh, and which can handle really complicated user stories, which can handle really complicated user experience without worrying about persistence, without worrying much about reliability, scalability, etc., etc. Uh, and that's, in essence, were the basic of the messages. Uh, uh, that's something that we're trying like to explain, and if you don't get it, please, uh, or if something feels oversimplified, just please don't hesitate to leave the feedback in the comments or on user voice. Uh, reference to this C-sharp sample would be in the podcast notes. Uh, and uh, if you're out for some homework, then homework would be just for the guys who are familiar with C-sharp, just, for example, to look at the code, uh, check it out. 
uh, and maybe try to add some more methods like to the product basket. Maybe a method called remove product from the basket and then create a new method, message type, message contract, uh, which would actually carry the separation and use the something that you learned in this podcast to remotely invoke this uh, product removal from the basket. Uh, if you're not on uh, not on C sharp code, uh, like on in Java or something else, uh, and if you're up for some homework, the task could be actually to create a sample that does exactly this, maybe in much simpler simpler form, but in your own code. And if you're willing to share it with uh, the community for the feedback and for the benefit of the rest, like the pull requests are welcome. If you have any questions on how to do that, again, just don't hesitate to get back, back in touch with us. Yep, comment on the uh, beingtheworst.com we ha- where we're posting the episodes. We have uh, comments there. We have a, we'll have a link to their user voice site. You could put stuff on the Trello board and upcoming episodes, and we'll have links to all those things. So certainly uh, start giving us feedback on what's working for you, what's not, and I will try to voice those in future episodes. Just before we go, Renat, uh, I wanted to, because I was still a little... I'm not sure if I got clarity on my question, and that was when I'm looking at this sample inside of program.cs, I see the you know where the where you're writing out to you know the bytes the stream file dot write all bytes goes to message dot bin. That message dot bin is getting saved to my hard drive. What I what I failed to connect was is message dot bin the event store in this case, or we haven't done anything with event sourcing yet. Oh no no. Uh, here we don't uh, we didn't do anything with event sourcing yet. Okay. Although the uh, persists as a simple way of message delivery uh, queue. However, like event sourcing and message queues is uh, something up for the more detailed description down the road. So we haven't done anything in the event sourcing, but if uh, we'll show how easy it uh, it is to do that in the next episode. Okay, great. So the yeah, so we're still in the sample, just the foundations and all messaging related. It will make event sourcing make more sense when we get there. Absolutely. Which uh, I believe you said we're going to do that next episode, right? Yes. So, and and just so the listeners know, we're, we've generally decided we're going to try to try to keep these episodes to about twenty to thirty minutes. So we'll cover as much as we can uh, in twenty or thirty minutes. And if we feel like there's more that we need to cover before we move on to something else, then the next episode we'll cover those fundamentals of whatever it is before we move on. Uh, in this case, it sounds like, Renat, you believe we know enough about the messaging basics to be able to have a good conversation about event sourcing next time. Uh, yes, and if the questions show up, we'll, uh, and if there is something that needs a like, short clarification that can be done with Wikipedia, uh, we'll include references in the podcast show notes. Or if there is like a lot of things, a lot of confusion, we'll address this. We'll try to address this in Later posts. In essence, the idea is to do it, to do the podcast in really short iterations. Uh, this way, we can uh, get feedback earlier on down the journey, and this way we can bang out uh, more episodes per week, like on a regular basis, without creating too much delays and uh, a lot of distraction for my work. <laughs> yes, I realize that you got to do that. So sounds good. Um, again, this will, there'll be links to this code on GitHub. I'll try, I'll play this back and double check what my homework assignment is and uh, try to work on that. And hopefully uh, some of the listeners will try that too and give us your feedback. If you have questions about what you're trying to do, maybe I'll be pushing my work up to the GitHub repository as well. But, uh, you know, leave us feedback and we'll have a conversation about it. So if that's it, 
Anything else on fundamentals of messaging or not? Oh, well, remember, messaging is your friend. It's extremely important. And talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Yeah. Bye-bye.